I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. As a small business owner, I love the Show It platform. I love it. It is my favorite website platform and I've tried several. And when it comes to blogging, I love that Show It integrates with WordPress on the back end so that you have so many options and features in order to improve your SEO, your search engine optimization when it comes to blogging on your website. The downside of that is that it comes with a lot of decisions that have to be made when setting up your blog and when publishing every blog post. And that can get really confusing and overwhelming. And even though I've done a lot of research and learned so much about SEO, there were still some burning questions I had when it came to publishing blogs on the Show It platform. That's why I was so excited to have the opportunity to talk to Sarah from Digital Grace Design about SEO settings and how to optimize your blog post as a creative who's blogging on the Show It platform and trying to get seen. I hope that you have some good takeaways from this episode and that SEO seems a little less overwhelming when it comes to blogging on Show It. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder, in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA business strategist and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much, Jade. I am honored to be here, so thank you for having me. It's so exciting to have you here. Why don't we start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and what your journey into entrepreneurship has looked like? Yeah, absolutely. It's always a fun question to hear how other people answer this, but mine, like many, was sort of an odd journey into entrepreneurship. Prior to starting Digital Grace, I was a professional ballet dancer for 10 years, and as I decided to change my career path, I wanted something that was still creative, uh, still worked with others, had some flexibility, um, and somehow stumbled upon website design taught myself uh, all of the knowledge that I thought I would need to at least start. You never really know. Um, And then five years later, here we are. So I started Digital Grace in 2017. um, And since then have worked with probably 180, 185 different entrepreneurs, building websites, adding onto their websites, etc. Mostly in the creative space. I work with a lot of uh, wedding professionals, interior designers, folks in the wellness space too. Um, And at this point have niched down into just website design. So custom websites, template customizations, etc. 
Um, and in 2019, I was honored to be named Show It's Designer of the Year. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So along the way, you also uh, became known for Show It SEO, which is something that's kind of like a scary word for creatives because it is so complicated. What are, what are some of the common mistakes that you see creatives making when it comes to SEO and Show It? And how did you come to realize that that was such a huge thing in your uh, journey in designing Show It websites? Yeah, it's such a great question. And um, I came to appreciate and feel like I needed to learn more about SEO in my own journey because it got to be the point where folks were asking me questions about SEO. And as their designer, I initially didn't have the answers. And like many of you, I found SEO super intimidating. Um, I didn't know where to start. It sounded like it would be a ton of jargon that I wouldn't understand. But as I started digging in deeper, I realized that it's not actually as hard as we often make it out to be. A lot of it is really intuitive. Um, And so I started learning all that I could about SEO in general in terms of a solid website framework, and then more specifically, how to implement it most effectively on Show It, since that's my design platform of choice. Um, With that, I then created our Simple Show It SEO course, and then of course, integrate it into um, all of our client sites as well. Because at the end of the day, what good is a pretty website if nobody can find it? Um, And so I feel like the strategy and the pretty have to go together in order to serve you the best in building your business. So in terms of your question regarding um, what the biggest mistakes that I see folks make are really just not touching their SEO to begin with. Um, And that's from the show it side of things with your settings there, but also on the blog side. Show it actually makes it really quite simple to tag our text appropriately, to add alt text to images, to add page titles and meta descriptions to each page on the show it side. So definitely do it there. And then on the blog side with adding a simple plugin or two, you can easily make those same settings um, in place for each of your blogs, and you should. Um, By not setting those up, you're really leaving money on the table and really minimizing the amount of traffic or leads that your website and blogs will get. So with that being said, what are the few settings that creatives should be thinking about before they start blogging? Because it's often difficult to think that you need to have everything perfectly in place before you start creating content. But what are some of those big things where they can get that out of the gate and then start running with creating content? Yeah. And I can totally appreciate wanting everything to be perfect before we start. I'm a perfectionist at heart myself, so I get it. It has stopped me many times from getting started. So if that's you, I hear you and you're not alone. Um, But before you start blogging, uh, first things first, I would activate the Yoast plugin, Y-O-A-S-T. That's one of the kind of go-to plugins for WordPress blogs. And I find it to be one of the most user- uh, intuitive plugins to get started with. It allows you to easily add page titles and meta descriptions to your blog posts. It gives you some tips or recommendations for how to improve the SEO on your blog. Um, And it's really a no-brainer for just setting that up. There is a free version. There is a paid version. I think for most folks, the free version is just perfect. 
so I would start there. Um, and then there is one setting in the settings of your blog that should be fine, but I always recommend that folks double check it. There's a checkbox um, in the settings section that says discourage search engines from you know indexing or reviewing your blog. Just make sure that that is checked appropriately because we would hate for that to be checked to actually discourage them to look at it. And then your blogging might be for not. It's usually checked appropriately, but just double check that in the settings on the WordPress side. Do you off the top of your head know what the paid version of Yoast comes with or when would a creative want to change to the paid version of Yoast? You know, I don't even use the paid version myself. Um, So I explored it a couple of years back and didn't find that the results or the intellect that I got from it were that different. Um, So because of that, I don't have a great answer for that, but stick with free and I think you're going to be good to go. Keep it simple. I like it. So now that the blog is set up correctly, what are the checklist items that creatives should think about before clicking publish on their blog posts? I know there's so much conflicting advice. There's so many settings on the back end of WordPress and it can be really overwhelming, especially when you're just starting blogging to get it right or feel like you need to get everything perfect. So what would you recommend as a simple checklist? Yeah, for sure. So um, in terms of the text itself and making sure that that's tagged appropriately, your title will always be tagged as the H1. So that's great. Um, As you are selecting the fonts that are used within your blog post, make sure that you're using the fonts strategically and not just because they look pretty in the flow of the website. So making sure that your main headings are H2s, your subheaders are H3s, and then your paragraph text is tagged as paragraph. I would stick with those basic tiers unless you're getting super granular in terms of a really in-depth blog post. I don't think you'll need H4, H5, etc. So make sure that you're using your text appropriately. Um, Make sure that you add select categories that are respective to the blog post subject matter. Don't go overboard, you know, pick the the two or three overarching topics. Um, For most folks, I would say skip tags altogether. Um, I find that most folks are not actually using them correctly and they're using them more like hashtags on Instagram. And while that totally makes sense, uh, it can make the site map of your overall site really messy if you're not using them strategically. Can you tell us more about what tags actually are? Yeah, so it it's sort of like a subcategory of categories. Um, so let's say uh, you are a wedding photographer and you have a main category of weddings and a main category of engagements. Um, you might then have tags underneath that that speak more to specifics within those categories. So for weddings, it might be um, elopements, intimate weddings, or that's not a good example. Maybe um, it's locations. Maybe you're a destination photographer and you have San Francisco weddings, New York weddings, etc. So they're essentially like subheaders, but a lot of times people just kind of cram in like floral bouquet and bride and groom. And while it theoretically makes sense, it's not really done in a strategic fashion. 
Um, so I think just for simplicity's sake, we should stick with the categories unless you're being super intentional. Um, and that's probably something that you would want to plan a strategy for in advance before you're even sitting down to write those blog posts so that you'd already know whether the tags are relevant in that case. Yeah. So do categories count towards SEO? Are they searchable? The exact words you use in your categories? Yeah, your categories can show up in search results. So that is one thing. Um, I would say it's more frequent that like blog posts individually would show up, but theoretically they can, unless you're telling Google on the back end in your settings that you don't want them to, um, but otherwise they can. And it would just be your category page. I have actually run into two mistakes that you already talked about. First, with my text, before I hired a designer, I just designed a pretty website and didn't yep. think about assigning the fonts to the different like H1, H2. And then I went to create a blog post and realized, crap, I have to change this and had to start from scratch, which took a lot of time. So that is a very good tip. Yes, for sure. For sure. I see that fairly frequently and I understand the allure of using fonts just to, you know, add visual interest. But especially on the blog, they're going to default to those H1, H2, H3s, and you want to use them strategically. Um, Always add a featured image just so that if your blog is shared, you have that visual interest too. Um, Do add alt text to all of the images that you're adding to your blog post. Um, And an alt text is basically just a description of what's happening in the photo. Uh, Super helpful for Google as a search engine who can't actually see our photos in the same way that we do, but also for those that are visually impaired who might end up on your website, they'll get that caption as a description of what the photo is. So definitely make use of that. Um, Do add the page title and meta description that will be in the Yoast settings at the bottom of your blog. And then take a scan through Yoast's recommendations. They'll have some red recommendations, yellow and green. Um, As you might imagine, red are things that they want you to more seriously look at. Green are things that you're doing well. And take a look through them and see if they are things that you can actually adjust in your blog post. You as a human might decide, no, I don't want an external link on this particular blog post, even though it's suggesting that I add it totally fine to leave that as a red um, if you as a person did that intentionally. Yoast is still going to be a robot, so they'll look for those things, but without the added uh, emotions that we as humans have. Yeah, that's such good advice because I feel like my Yoast very infrequently actually turns up completely green because of the human element and the way that I want my content to come across for my ideal client. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially if you're one that tends to want to make sure everything is perfect, you're like, but it's not green. And sometimes you don't actually want it to be green in those instances that you strategically chose not to include one of the things that they recommended. As far as word count goes, I'm wondering how you see this come up, especially with photography clients who are blogging for the portfolio building aspect and not necessarily information or educational blog content. Mm -hmm. Does the word count of your blog post affect the SEO? Absolutely. Um, Honestly, I'd say like the vast majority of your content that actually affects SEO is the text, Um, just because it's so much easier for Google to sift through and say, okay, what is this about? Who is it for? Where are they located, etc. So text really, really does matter. Um, I'd say minimum your blog post should have about 500 words. And the folks that are going to be ranking 
most successfully are going to be closer to two or 3,000. Granted, not every portfolio piece needs that many, but do keep that in mind, especially if, let's say, if you are a photographer and it was a wedding that you loved at a venue that you loved and you want folks to find that blog post, you're going to need to invest a bit more time into writing a longer, more high quality post so that it's more likely to rank. Mm, That is a lot of words. Do you feel like creatives get intimidated when it comes to filling that word count? Yes. Um, And I think a lot of times it's, it can be as simple as talking about, you know, as we were just talking about like a wedding photographer at a venue, like talk about why you love the venue, talk about why you did the first look at that at that particular location or talk about why they're getting ready spaces are so phenomenal or talk about why this couple fell in love with the venue. Like there are opportunities to easily add volume to the blog post without getting too bogged down into shoot. What do I have to actually say about this? Um, and I think too, once you kind of find your formula for how you get to more words you can easily replicate that across different blog posts in terms of the touch points that you want to mention or speak to in each of them. Um, It's definitely easier to have a higher word count in a more informational blog post or a more educational blog post than a portfolio piece. But if it's one that you're actually hoping will rank for something, you'll want it to be longer in terms of the text. Yeah, I think what you just said is so helpful. You have to know what your goal is for creating content on blogs because it might not be the typical goal that people are giving advice on when it comes to SEO. Like people will assume that you want to rank and that's why you're focused on SEO. But if your goal is to educate your clients or drive that informational content to like content that you're putting into your workflow or just showing your portfolio in different locations, then what you do in terms of SEO is going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a key thing because, you know, you might have, let's say, six galleries in your overall portfolio on your main website, but the blog can be a great place to show off those additional weddings or events or other types of posts where you still want to share them, but you don't necessarily need them to be in your primary portfolio of work. It's a great place to put them. And it just makes it easy for folks that might be looking at your services to see those examples of work and also for you to really easily refer folks to them because they're already published, they're up, they're ready to go. Um, But like you said, they may just not be something that you really care that much about ranking for. Yeah, absolutely. So before we move on, will you kind of sum up that checklist for SEO? Yes, absolutely. So before you hit publish on your blog post, one, make sure that your ta- your text is tagged appropriately using your H2s and H3s and paragraphs as they are strategically meant for the flow of the blog post. Add categories strategically. Add a featured image. Use tags sparingly and if there is strategy behind them. And then add in your page title and meta description using the Yoast plugin at the bottom. And lastly, take a look through their recommendations and see if there's anything that you really should be adjusting in your blog post before hitting publish. Perfect. So in addition to Yoast, which is the plugin that you mentioned, make sure that's turned on. Are there any other plugins that you found helpful on Show It? You know, that's honestly the primary SEO related plugin that I typically recommend. Um, there are some anti-spam ones that you may want to activate, particularly if you start getting a bunch of spam comments. 
this isn't an issue for everyone. Sometimes you just start getting hit. So um, I don't typically recommend that folks turn on a bunch of plugins unless you have a need for them because too many plugins can sometimes slow down your site. Um, So really evaluate, do you need them? Um, I typically see folks adding, you know, a Pinterest plugin so that if folks hover over, over a photo, you can pin them. Um, but offhand, those are kind of like the go-to ones that I see folks using most. So you mentioned comments and I want to dig into that a little bit more. How important do you see that comment function being in terms of building a relationship with clients or interacting with potential clients on a website? Because I feel like not a lot of people comment on blog posts anymore. I I agree. Um, I think if you are, let's say, like a lifestyle blogger or a home blogger or a food blogger, you might be more likely to get comments than say, a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a different type of reader for what it's worth. Um, so you may see more of those spammy comments if you are a blogger versus a service provider. Um, I would say have the comments option turned on though, because you never know. And sometimes too, if someone sees one comment added, they feel more inspired or given permission to add a comment of their own. If you do get a comment, I would take a moment to reply to it just because that does kind of enhance the relationship that you're creating with readers and potential clients. So like Instagram, where we're told like, make sure you reply to comments, make sure you reply to messages. Same goes here. Um, even if only because it's like the nice human thing to do as well. Yeah, that's good advice. So when it comes to SEO, a big topic is keyword research. It can get really complicated if you let it. So what are your best tips for doing effective keyword research? Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like when you do do the keyword research and you start to integrate those keywords into your site, my biggest piece of advice too with that is always making sure that you're doing it in a natural way, not in like a spammy, let me jam as many keywords in as possible. Um, Google is onto us. They're not going to reward that kind of behavior. So definitely using that as a caveat. Um, And for those that aren't totally sure what a keyword is, it's essentially a word or a string of words that sum up what you do or, you know, ideally what you want to rank for. So let's say you are a Nashville food blogger, that could even be a string of keywords, um, mentioning your location and what you do essentially. Um, in terms of some free and easy ways to look for keywords, the first one is super simple. Um, if you go over to Google and you start typing in a, uh, you know, a query or a search where you think you might rank for something, let's say New York City wedding photographer, and you'll see there's a whole drop down then of keyword strings that pop up as suggested searches. Jot those down because those are similar things that other folks are likely searching for in relation to what you're searching for. So if you're hoping to rank for that, also consider that these are other similar things. So jot those down. Um, Also keeping in mind that once you do hit enter and the search results come up, take a look through those top ranking pages that came up for that search query and see what kinds of terms and keywords that they're using. Because if they're ranking first, second, third, fourth, fifth, unless they're like a big corporate company, they're doing something right. 
And so you can use those as inspiration. And that's a super easy and simple free way to do things. Um, Additionally, Keyword Finder or KW Finder has a free seven-day trial that you can use to get inspiration for keywords. Uh, SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush, also I believe has a free trial and they'll tell you the top 10 keywords that you're ranking for, as well as give you some competitor analysis for folks that you're like, oh, these are my main competitors. What are they doing well? And what are they ranking for? And where can I improve my content in order to compete with that? Um, They do also have some paid tracking as well. So if you do find that you want to invest and dig deeper, that's a great reference as well. Um, Ahrefs also has a keyword checker um, and it's free to see how you rank for keywords. And then Uber Suggest gives you three options a day to look up different uh, new keywords that you could rank for. So that could be something that you could do three a day for a week and you'd have a good little selection there. And then lastly, make sure that you do sign up for Google Search Console because that is coming from Google's own mouth and it will tell you exactly the keywords that you're ranking for and the clicks that you're getting for those keywords. That's great. I have found that in my own blogging that I'm using the same keywords again and again. When I first started, I thought that I needed to do research for every blog post, which can be helpful. And sometimes I do want to rank for different words. But overall, from a marketing strategy standpoint, I find that I want to rank on the same keywords again and again. So I found it's helpful to just save those words in a spreadsheet and then don't make it harder by having to do it every week. (laughs) Totally. My only warning with that is make sure that you're not overdoing it in such a way that your content is then competing with your own content. Mm. So try and diversify a little bit so that there are related keywords or related topics, but perhaps not the exact same. Because Google will typically bring up like one or two of your blog posts at a time, but they probably won't have a bunch of yours at the Mm -hmm. top um, just because they want to diversify as well. So if let's say there's one or two in particular of a given keyword and you really think those are your best posts, really make sure that they're optimized the most for that um, and maybe see if you can tweak some of those other posts just so that you're not, you know, competing with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. When it comes to uh, forming your show it blog URL, you have different options for how you can set that up and you can choose to include your categories or not in the title of your blog post. What do you recommend for formatting that URL? Yeah. So I typically recommend, um, it will start with yourdomain.com slash and then going right into the blog post title. Um, And grammatically speaking, in the SEO world, those dashes that it puts in are actually like SEO version of spaces. Um, So you do typically want to leave those in to be, I guess, grammatically correct in the SEO space. I know it's not actually grammar, but um, do leave those in unless there's a strategic reason that you're going to take them out. Um, And then for what comes after that backslash, so your domain.com backslash, I typically let it stay the title of the blog um, just with those dashes in between each word. Okay, so follow-up question, getting into like the nitty-gritty details. So I found in my own blog the way to track traffic by blog post category. So if I want to know if my marketing content or my productivity content is more popular 
tracking by the category with Google Analytics, I had to include the category first before the blog post title. Is there a different way to track traffic by category if you don't put that category in the URL? Yeah, it's a great question. I think if I were to look at my own Google Analytics, because I don't include the category in the, the slug, I think I would just have to know exactly like which blog posts fell under a category and go by those posts. Um, I don't think that there would be a super intuitive way to look at it otherwise if you weren't including the category in the title. Um, that said, I would probably stick with the title if it were me. Okay. Is there a reason for that specifically? I think, you know, we want to be as specific and clean and clear and concise with every kind of content that we put on our website and the slugs. Also, you want them to clearly and concisely tell Google what the blog post will be about. So when we have them exactly what they are um, without any of the extra kind of terms mixed in, I think it's just that much easier and clearer for Google to understand. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm learning so much. This is great. (laughs) Good. Well, there definitely is a difference between the show it basic and show it advanced blogging plans. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the difference is and is it worth it? Do you, do you or any of your clients use the advanced version? Yeah, this is a great question and something that I deal with a ton with clients in terms of when they're signing up for show it for the first time, because it's not always the most clear what you need. Um, just because we don't know what we don't know personally, especially if we're not the most techie people. So To me, the main differences are that the basic blog, if you're migrating blogs over from another site, maybe you're setting up your show at site for the first time and you're coming over from WordPress, Squarespace, etc. The basic blog will only allow you to migrate 50 blog posts. Mm. So if you have more than that, you automatically need the advanced blog subscription. So that's one thing. Um, If you do have the advanced blog subscription, you can migrate over as many as you want. Um, additionally, the basic blog subscription only comes with about 10 to 15 basic plugins like Yoast, like a Pinterest plugin, like anti-spam, like a video responsive plugin, etc. which for most folks, if you're just doing basic blog posts that are educational or about, you know, a service offering or a portfolio piece, that's probably great to start with. Um, If you do find that there are specific plugins that you're wanting to add above and beyond those 10 to 15 that come with it, you'll need the advanced tier because the advanced tier is the one that really allows you to add plugins that aren't there. Um, If you're on basic, you cannot add additional plugins. That makes sense. I've definitely run into that before, but I was trying to do fancy things that didn't need to be done, but would have been nice. (laughs) Fair. And I think too, it sort of depends on what you do, because if you're a food blogger, having a recipe plugin is a non-negotiable. You just Mm -hmm. have to have that. So then you're of course going to be on the advanced blog tier. Um, Or if you're a podcaster and you want to have, you know, embedded show notes or an embedded player, you're probably going to need to be on the advanced plugin uh, or the advanced blog tier. So definitely things to consider when you're creating your blog. That said, it's fairly simple to upgrade or downgrade if you find that you don't actually need the tier that you're on or you need to make a change. You just reach out to show it support and they will help you to do that. Um, Otherwise, the main difference is 
um, or the other differences that I feel like are super tangible are if you have a blog that has more than I think it's 10,000 visits per month, you're going to need the advanced tier. Mm -hmm. Um, So like higher traffic blogs need the advanced tier. And if you need super crazy like FTP access to your blog, you need to be on advanced too. Um, And even with that, that's something that you have to request access to. It's not innate. But like I said, if you're just a regular blogger or your blog is just, you know, an addendum to your site so that you can show portfolio pieces and create educational content, you probably don't need some of those more high level integrations. Yeah. So basically start on the basic plan. And if you run into a roadblock, you'll know if you need the advanced plan. Yeah. For most of my clients, I start them on the basic. um, And then unless you have to migrate more than 50 posts. Yeah. So you mentioned the Pinterest plugin, and I want to transition to talking about Pinterest because a lot of bloggers use Pinterest to drive the majority of the traffic to their blog posts. So what is your favorite Pinterest plugin? And then second, you talked about alt text and formatting your images so that they're SEO friendly and describing the pin content. With my Pinterest plugin, I've realized that the alt text is what shows up as the pin title when people click pin. So what would you recommend in terms of if you create a pinnable image, um, how would you format the alt text to work with Pinterest? Is that a good or bad practice? Because I know there's mixed opinions. And how do you format your blog to get more traffic from Pinterest? Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a great question. And you're right. There's not conclusive information about this. Um, For in terms of the pin it, plugin, I just typically use the one that comes with the basic blog. Um, I don't even remember offhand what it's called. I think it's just like the pin it Pinterest plugin. Um, There are many out there though. So feel free to experiment. Um, In terms of images on your site, alt text, definitely you'll want to add. Um, And then in terms of the caption that then transfers over to Pinterest, I will typically put what I think I will want the caption to be. The one bummer there though, is that like, you don't want to plug in a million hashtags. So there is that kind of caveat. Um, Otherwise, I've also just put in like the title of the blog post. Um, It's not a perfect solution. And to be honest, this is not something that I have found like a really well supported answer for, Mm. um, unfortunately. What text from Show It pulls in as the pin description? Because I know the alt text pulls in as the pin title, but where mm-hmm. does that description get pulled from? I think it's the description beneath. Like as you're adding a photo, there's two slots. And I think it comes from that next slot down. I'm just like visually thinking through like when I pin things. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Okay, interesting. I didn't even know that. That was all the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you would say to someone who's intimidated by show it blogging advice for getting started? Yeah. In terms of getting started, in terms of like, what should I write about? Essentially, the recommendations that I almost always give are twofold is like, one, what are the questions that you get from potential clients or folks that are curious about what you do that you answer time and time again, whether it's on social media, whether it's via email, write blog posts about those things. Because one, 
then clearly people have those questions. Multiple people do. So other people will have them too. Then it becomes helpful content for future folks that will have that question. And when the next person asks that question, you can easily send them a link to that blog post. And they're like, wow, Jade is so prepared, such an expert. She's already written a blog post about it. Um, Additionally, similar to that is think about the types of information folks would need to know in order to say yes to what you do. Um, So folks that are just beginning to investigate, let's say brand design or hiring a VA or something like that, what kinds of information do they need to know to prepare so that when they get a VA, they're going to be most successful? Uh, So think about things like that because it'll really help you and the potential client that might be finding your content. Mm -hmm. Additionally, maybe even on social media, do a poll in your stories one day and ask folks like what they're confused about related to what you do. Because you never know, you know, what you might never have thought of to write a blog post about. And, you know, because we're often just so close to our own content that we forget um, about those beginning steps or about those things that we just accept as a given. Um, So poll your audience, see what they're curious about, see what they don't understand, um, see what their burning questions are, and then write content about that. Those are great tips. I love all of that advice. So for someone who's listening to this episode and wants to dive deeper or follow along with all of the amazing content that you share, how can they find you after the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, They can visit my website at digitalgracedesign.com. They can find me on Instagram at Digital Grace Design. And if you are looking for, you know, a show SEO checklist that you can download yourself so that you have on hand and you can walk through the steps yourself, I also do have a show SEO checklist on my website that you can download at digitalgracedesign.com slash show it dash SEO dash checklist. Perfect. And we can link that in the show notes too. Perfect. Thank you so much again for being here. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jade. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode, because good ideas don't grow businesses, action does. And if you want more Business Minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadeboyd.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. 
Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.